Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Rain Phoenix is here with us. I think we just already probably established that. Hello. Hello. Hi, Joseph Arthur. Hello. Nice to see you. You too. Yeah, I did your podcast a few months ago. Launch Left. Thank <coughs> you for fun. being on L- that. Launch Left. And you launched Grandma, which is coming up next mm-hmm. week. So Shout you just out did Grandma. it this. You're doing it next week. Oh right. Yeah. Do you guys? So you guys, how long have you been doing a podcast? You we got, launched in September. Uh huh. So yeah. Pretty recently. When did we launch? End of June. So, September, October. I got a who? You got a couple months on months me. On oh, that. we do. Wow. And then we took a little break while you were on tour, but we recorded enough. But we episodes. stacked episodes. You guys stack episodes. Do you do yes. it every week or what's the? We tried. To, we banked a lot. So right mm-hmm. now I can be away on tour and not panic that I don't have a guest because we have rollout happening. Rollouts, yeah. How um, how often do you release them, and is it regular? Every week. Every week. That was sort of the agreement with the podcast company we partnered with. They said, otherwise they loved everything. You could do whatever you want, but you have to do it every week till you're dead. Mm-hmm. Was the exact instruction. Till you're dead. That seems like a long term. I commitment. know. I was like, <laughs> how do you know you're gonna like me that long? Yeah. Well, that's good. So you did partner with somebody. Mm-hmm. Are they, so they are sponsoring you kind of, right? Well, or not really? they or? are taking care of all the like camera edit and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, There's no money a- involved. There's no money exchange, but there are services, which is, you know. That's cool. It's an investment of sorts. Yeah. And they're really sweet. They're, they're a cool company. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're looking forward to um, a very cool music kind of sponsor coming on board or somebody who's interested yeah. in the arts. Takes a while Listen, though. Listen, everyone out there. Don't lose hope. It takes a while. Can somebody please sponsor Launch Left? Yeah. That's so sweet of you. And while you're at it, yeah. sponsor come sponsor to where I'm come from. Come to where I'm from. Support too. us on Patreon. So well yeah. we support us on Patreon. <laughs> oh, do you do the Patreon? Yeah, I guess we so. try, yeah. I think hey, I might try to do that. We don't push it, but we have some uh patrons who we're very thankful for who support us uh, every month mm-hmm. that's cool it's how many cameras are capturing right now just so it's I a know four camera so, so where are we here. that one this is you okay that's a wide that's joe that's me okay all the other ones are from the session you just did cool so you're like uh the andy character in the conan thing isn't there yeah. the andy guy yeah. andy richter right does exactly. Andy do the Andy editing Rickner. for Conan Rickner and, and the lighting and the sound no. of the video? You're like no. Andy Richter on steroids. <laughs> on steroids. Yeah. yeah, you do it all. The one man A-Hood show. Andy is Richter. amazing. Uh, I yeah, gotta say, you really are. Thank you. And you yeah. did sound for One on One, which I was yeah. very lucky to be a part and of. That as was well. a seven camera shoot. Yeah, he works Whoa. really hard. Where do you get all these cameras? Patreon. <laughs> I gotta yeah. sign up. It's over the years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we bought these fancy mics and everything. I know so. it's really legit, and it's in this very historic jazz yeah. club in the West Village. That's right. Very cool. You feel the energy. Uh, um yes sure no, kind of ish no i i do i mean i wouldn't yeah. want to spend the night here but no <laughs> i think you'd feel it a lot more yeah <laughs> like yeah when no one's around and the ghosts. i are see you guys do it safely during the day when yeah. there's no chance of a ghost running we try We've john coltrane ghosts. i think he's in the walls he made a record here wow that's cool yeah yeah and i think the whole and Char- charlie charlie mingus charlie wow. parker and charlie parker's the one who His found the place definitely here 
but he passed before, before he got he to redeem his okay. I'll pay the tab. <clears throat> That's right. And he was into Brandy Alexander's. I Is guess. That, I that's a drink, and they just uh, added it to the bar upstairs. Mm-hmm. That's What's what he would in drink it? on the I don't know. Oh, brandy. Cream and brandy, I think. Wow. And a guy named Alex. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Alexander the Great. Or Alexander something. the Great. So I love your album, thanks, River. Joe. It's very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, well, thanks for making it. I'm how, really happy to have had the opportunity. Yeah, how long has it been out for? It just came out uh, the last day of October, Halloween, which was the anniversary of my brother's death. Mm -hmm. 26 years, I think it was then. But this whole year, uh, since the 25th year mark, it just Mm -hmm. uh, came alive. He came alive for me in a different way, artistically came out through my music and art. and, uh, And this record is kind of the culmination of a whole year of, uh, and un- unletting un- the floodgates as it were mm. what do you think sparked that uh i think what sparked it was this single i put out along with two of his songs from his band that i was in with him alec is attic mm-hmm. which was the first band i'd ever been in and Al- then alec is attic yeah it okay. was called alec is attic and uh that was my first band with him i was 15 when we started it and then my first ever single as a solo artist, Time is the Killer, and mm-hmm. that one was with Michael Stipe, and we it's put BS. that out as a little baby vinyl. That's such a good song. Oh, I'm so glad you like yeah, it. Yeah, and, uh, and, and Michael and you sound so good together. I agree. Yeah, I like do. it's a magic going on there, very good chemistry. I'm so glad we finally got to do that in a big way, like yeah. a duet on something. Um, we had live, and you were actually part of that show, the Bring Em Home Live Remember when we did that big show at like Radio City or mm-hmm. somewhere here about the Bring 'em Home Troops? Yeah, a long and, time and ago. And you did the your song in the sun. In the and sun. Michael sang with me exactly, yeah. and then I sang Mark Mulcahy's song with Michael. Yeah, and I think Catherine Popper was the bass player. That's right. That's right? when I actually first met Catherine. Me Popper. too, and she played with me a lot Shout after out Catherine that. Catherine Popper. Hey, Catherine yeah. Popper, you're so cool. She's the coolest. She really is. I wish I could be as cool. But I know. Only some people can be that cool, and, and she such gets a to rock be. and bass player. Too. Yeah, I know. So, so it, yeah, it started then when I kind of put that. It was something about probably the combination of my band with him and the single with Michael who is a very close friend of Rivers yeah sort of just opened up the creative floodgates and I started just I couldn't stop making music with my collaborator Kirk Kelly right who produced the record as well and incredible production oh right on yeah really I uh, do yourself a favor and check that record out I know we're living in 2019 and everyone's <laughs> too busy to check anything out <laughs> but you all need to check that record out because it's something else. Oh, thanks so yeah. much. It kind of has a... Uh, God, I'm, it's getting bright in here. I'm just tearing <laughs> up already. I did too much yoga today or something. I opened up... Three in a I row. I opened up my heart chakra too much. But uh, it kind of... Have you ever listened to an artist named Lisa Germano? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting uh. because somebody else said that... I, we played last night in Brooklyn at Elsewhere yeah. at Zone 1 and then the band that played after us was like, have you ever heard of Lisa Germano? Yeah, because it is it has um, oh, a spirit to it that's reminiscent of 
her and I and I think she's amazing. Her album called Geek the Geek Girl, the Girl. Is my, one of my favorites. I mean, amazing. And the one, I got to listen now. You should. I don't know her. It's it's crazy. Oh, right on. It's crazily it's crazily powerful on an emotional level. And and so is your record. Oh, very so good. it's a good I'm going to check it out now. People sure. reference it's that. Two people. That's yeah. two people in a row actually. Ge- start with Geek the Girl. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, so, I'm sick a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little Everybody sick too. I can I can hear it in my voice. I don't my know. larynx is swollen. Do you know that part from Spinal Tap where Janine, or he's like, you know, there's some sugar in my larynx. <laughs> she can tell it's swollen. I gotta get off the sugar or something. Sugar. Like, oh. What? Yeah. I know. I remember the cold sore thing. That was yeah, hysterical. That's amazing. There's a lot that's yeah. funny about that. But yeah, yeah. Where he's talking about sugar, and Janine can tell his larynx is swollen from too much sugar. From too much is that like referencing cocaine or something? Who knows? Or, I, I mean, it might just be sugar. She's, I don't even remember that. I've seen it a bunch of times too. I, I remember a lot. I've watched it way too many times. Yeah. But sorry to get off topic. Oh, that's all good. There is no, there is no topic. Um, but I got a quite like. Did you was did it make you go into it heavy in an emotional level? Like uh, thinking about your brother or making those songs and stuff like that. Was it like a kind of a therapeutic process or was it some kind of um, I think that coming it coming to terms. Or? I think that of course it was. I tend to uh, derive most of my understanding of um, what I write months after right. I write it, mm-hmm. or even years I, I, sometimes. I'm, yeah, I'm much more an automatic writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be totally honest, I just started writing songs. They weren't specific to him. Right. I wasn't like, I'm going to write a record. And, you know, that came to be after most of the record was done, I had this epiphany that I was going to call it River. Right. And that that was important for it to, like, name him. Yeah. And to, like, uh, affirm sh- him as part of the project changed this what it meant to me that's when like the emotional body woke up more yeah and that's when i decided i would put the first single out on his birthday august 23rd and the record on the day passed which is october 31st so those all things just were through the process of making the record all these like epiphanous moments happen yeah but none of like i i wouldn't even say that i wrote all the songs about him at all right yet strangely in hindsight when i interpret mm-hmm. what i thought was a love song or what i thought was a and i listen to the lyrics from that yeah. you know how everyone projects anyway yeah so i think everyone that's a fan of rivers or of mine projects him onto every song Right. right. And yeah. so they can understand it through that lens i too when i looked back was like yeah. oh gosh i guess that song Escape Street, which was really a love song, but it could also be a song about losing a brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? So right. so it's interesting. I, I was able to see like maybe in a subconscious way, mm-hmm. it was much of it was about him. That's I, uh, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was cool to to be open to that and not rigid. That was what I found most um freeing and nourishing about the making of this record was I kind of just allowed I've just let where I was at through every stage of it be what it was and show me what the next Mm. way forward was and instead of every door that closed another really did open Mm -hmm. like every disappointment of maybe someone you know or people not 
getting it or whatever just led me to a different like so what now I'm making this song like I just kept Mm -hmm. being creative and not not depending on the outside world to tell to validate me Mm -hmm. but instead just maintaining an energy like Kirk and I had a real energy together making Mm -hmm. the record and the way that he crafted it and orchestrated it I mean all of it to me was it was just kept unfolding in a really beautiful way and by the time you know we actually had to pretty much rush the last few songs to like mix and master in Mm. order to meet our street date Mm -hmm. so that was like probably the most rushed but we were in hindsight too it all happened really quickly like we Mm -hmm. started making this record basically in february and it's out in october the whole thing and and we i didn't really question that you don't necessarily make a record that quick. I mean, I don't know that many people who just bang out a record and make sure it's out too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some things maybe suffer in terms of how much promo or stuff you're able to pull off and be making a record. Right. But it was very important to me to meet those, those dates specifically mm-hmm. and yeah. to sort of make it That's this body, this well. like energetic body of of art that was for river like within the span of time that i did so i'm i'm really glad that you enjoy it and i hope other people do it's it's beautiful and and so much of what you just said resonates with me as an artist too like like the whole going with a flow state one one and once you have a title how that can suddenly make a record blossom when you have a concept for it yeah and the fact that you just kept Flow, go like you know, yeah. going with the flow, so to speak, and you know the river, yeah. another river aspect metaphor. of river metaphor, yeah. 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 But um, and also, yeah, just like letting the subconscious guide you, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's something I'm noticing. I don't know if it's my age or what, but in general, it seems like that's the real magic in life is whatever happens taking it as mm-hmm. like this is part of my path or journey or yeah this is being in the flow yeah this moment sucks but the moment that comes out of it is beautiful so does it suck you mm-hmm. know like really trying to yeah. to see the positive and in, in all the negative things like right now i'm wearing a unitard that I cut in half and someone's shirt I found in a closet because my whole suitcase was stolen mm-hmm. off the JFK, JFK carousel. Mm-hmm. So I made do, you know? And it's I a love positive it. outlook on I the fact that, that I have I love that you cut a unitard no- in half. <laughs> Sometimes you got to. I mean, sometimes I just like, I got to cut a unitard today. Right? I know. It was all that was feminine in the house I found. I was like, I'll just... <laughs> Get creative with it. Yeah. yeah. So you got to go with the flow. Well, I like how you said, you know, go with the flow and that does match with River. So does the fact that the record is streaming, which when he was alive, there was no such thing as streaming. Right. But that's very River metaphor, too. Yeah. I love that you can stream River right now on Spotify. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Do you do uh, do you have any like practices that help you um, wade wade through those waters? I mean, it just keeps happening, this River (laughs) metaphor. But uh, like you know, when disappointments occur or when struggles occur in the creative process, how do you refocus yourself or recenter yourself into the flow state? That's a great question. I do. I have a spiritual practice. I'm very grateful for Yeah. meditation practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and through that practice, I, I, I realized at a certain point that 
I'm not really here for me and what I want in this life. I'm here for all of us. Mm -hmm. What I do uh, needs to speak that and echo that. Like, how Mm. can I help instead of what do I get? So, of course, I'm a human being with a resident ego that wants things I want. And but I'm remind myself when I get in that state of like, oh, I didn't get the goal I wanted or I'm not, mm-hmm. where, you know, that I didn't, that's not my commitment anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I've changed my commitment. I don't know if it's part of, you know, in your 20s, you just, it's all about you. But I think it has a lot to do with my spiritual practice and kind of uh, affirming that every day. And um, before I go on stage, every time I remind myself, not just for me or not just for River or the people that I've lost, but for all of us and for everyone we've all lost that's why I step on stage and to be you know a cause of benefit is really why I'm here and not you know not just for what I want in this life because it's so short it's mm-hmm. it's so short I saw my friend Michael Cavadias's show Clay Woman I don't know if you've heard of Michael Cavadias and his incredible Fantastic character name. Clay Woman but he does this like theater dinner theater thing and we just saw it a couple nights ago here in New York and he talks a lot he 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 is a I think it's like a 500 million year old woman mm-hmm. and he like comes on stage in character but that he just speaks so much about how fleeting like our human lives are in relation like from the vantage of being a 500 million year old extraterrestrial from another planet mm-hmm. um and that I don't know, I resonate a lot with that because I always think about in reality the blip that is my existence here on planet Earth is really meaningless, but maybe maybe through my actions and what I set up for, I don't know if you believe in reincarnation, but I do, for the next life and for the, that person to set up the next life, that's kind of more important as how I am in this life and how it touches other people and and to get out of my own head and what I want because it's just it's going to happen so fast I could step off the street when I leave and be gone so Mm -hmm. what did I do when I was here I don't think I always felt that way but because of the spiritual practice I I have much more I have that that view of my life and and it helps me not you know make it all about me all the time Mm -hmm. and think about others instead I did a tribute to David Bowie show at um a long time ago, well, not that long, when he passed at Radio City, and, and Ricky Lee Jones was on it, too, and she said something about how, and when you go on stage, you shouldn't be concentrating on getting love from the audience, but giving love to the audience. She said something like that. Yeah. And that has stuck with me, Cause, and then I, I try to always keep that in mind when I'm on stage. I mean, of course, when you're a performer and your ego is attached and nerves and this and that, yeah. and you have to come with something that's gonna be great, yeah, you know, yeah, like it, you can it, you can displace that thing of that you should be giving love, not trying to get love, because it's right. like you know the, the whole but, point is you're the yeah, yeah technically supposed to be getting it. Right. Yeah, right. That's what They're I thought. But, but then like when you. Ricky Lee Jones no, said that, I, I was like, you know what? It's yeah, let me flip that. Let it. me flip that. And yeah. that's what you're saying re- like, yeah. is reminiscent of that. It's a great way to think about it. I mean, interestingly enough, in the past, I think with other bands in ways that I was for live performance, much more performative, mm-hmm. much more energy involved, running around, jumping, dancing, right. freaking out, screaming, kind mm-hmm. of. 
this particular, you know, this solo record is much more insular and pulled back. And, and I, what I found really interesting was that it takes the same, if not more, energy to gather mm-hmm. and quiet yeah. than it does to express in an obvious and external, you know, performative way. Mm-hmm. And that, I didn't know that till I uh, just kind of dropped any of that and mm. was like, what, do, why, what is this, you know, what's coming out? And strangely, like, I know some people might be like, what? No, because rain's so outgoing. But I was a very sh- shy girl. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I had to be a performer more. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, came out of my shell. Right? Yeah. And I feel with this project and this record and the truth of what I'm singing and the heart space of the record and mm-hmm. what I'm able to actually be the most authentic as a performer, which is that shy girl is back. Yeah. And so that requires a lot of energy to not put on a performer, mm. which is what I learned to do to survive being really shy and on stage. Cause right. I always sang, but I just didn't move when I was a kid. I was like this and I mm-hmm. could sing really well, but I couldn't move cause I was so shy and terrified mm-hmm. of like the crowd and all that. And so in a strange way, I feel like I'm kind of going back to that with this record just mm-hmm. naturally because of its honesty. I yeah. Think. But it takes a lot of energy cause my go-to, I learned how to perform. Right? right, to be outgoing, so I just have to stop myself from being like, "Hey, everybody, but you how can, are you doing tonight?" You yeah. know what I mean? And I just am awkwardly not not doing that. doing that, not even a little bit, not not even sprinkling it in here. And I there. talk, but it's never like I'm concerned with my nervousness, so I mm. have to make noise for them. You're not to, cracking jokes in between. If I do, it's just like naturally occurring mm-hmm. true jokes that are coming out of talking about heavy yeah. stuff and you kind of have right. to break it up a little. You know, yeah. when you, I think some of the best comedy does have a lot of tragedy. Yeah. It, right? So, Absolutely. So it can be kind of sad what I talk about sometimes, but then of course there's some little quip Twist. or joke I can't help but... Yeah. Well, that's good. Once in a while. Yeah, you got to lighten it. You don't want to make everyone like. Yeah, it's, you don't want it to be too heavy. Exactly. Well, maybe you do want it to be too heavy. I shouldn't say that. I hope you know. I hope it's uh, inspiring and life affirming. Yeah. I've definitely gotten some some of that feedback, which makes me happy that it's it not really just is. Debbie Downer. Oh, not at all. Yeah. No, it's beautiful and it's expansive. You said pulling in and I was like thinking it's more. It's It feels to me listening to it like it's more like this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's more what I meant is like pulling back my performer, right? That that like trying to make everyone feel yeah. good in the room, which is really just a form I think of insecurity and nervousness at the silence in between songs. Or, mm. And I learned that like there's a power in that pulling, like mm-hmm. holding that space, the quiet in the room. Yeah, it lets everyone be alone with their feelings with what's happening, mm-hmm. and then you can direct the energy. Because you have the mic of where we all want to put those feelings. Do we want to talk about uncomfortable things through the lens of our honest, you know, hurt around losing people? Do we want to talk about what was fun about the people we loved, even though they're not here? You know, like, and so Mm -hmm. that's more of what I meant by gathering. I see. It's like I'm gathering this sort of collective. I'm trying, and then 
finding a way to talk about it. That's been really a, an interesting exercise. It's almost like a meditative stage performance mm-hmm. that I that I wouldn't call a performance as much as just reading what's happening and trying to translate it. When you first started playing these songs, did it feel more vulnerable? Or did yes. Look, yeah. Short answers, yes. And did, and did you discover like the power in that? Yes. That's basically, you did basically what you just said, those two things is what that long winded answer. You guys can cut that if you want. We don't cut any. We don't cut <laughs> unless you want us to. <laughs> but anyway, you just perfectly, <clears throat> succinctly said it. Yes. Have you ever li- listened to any Brene Brown stuff? I've heard about her being quite, right now, she's so hot right now. She's so hot. She's so now. I'm yeah. just kidding. Like, no, but yeah, she talks about the power of vulnerability. Yeah, I a did lot. see a piece of that. Was it like a TED Talk or a Netflix mm-hmm. special? Right. I yeah. think both. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool. It's very inspiring, it's all that stuff. Head. You know, it's just like. I mean, a couple things occur to me, like the whole thing you're saying almost like sounds like a spiritual awakening of I want to help. Yeah. Like, and, and I feel like um, there's a awakening going on with people because I'm, I'm in a similar headspace with everything. Like, of course, you want like good things and survival and abundance and all this. But like primarily, I just want to help like and I want to be in a position where I can help yeah you know and I feel same. like a lot of people are waking up to that yeah you know? same I'm with you brother yeah it's just <laughs> like what else is there to do yeah you know and you and I have like experienced you know enough you know I don't enough stuff to know I think that it's like that's where the that's where the joy and magic is really is like being able to be in that place where you can give back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because what else is there, really? Yeah. I think, yeah. I know a lot of successful, incredibly lonely people. I do, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And it's, just it's bummed. Like, sad and lonely people. And, in fact, even, like, having survival not necessarily assured in terms of like you know maybe not having millions of dollars and whatnot where you you still have to that that was that fire under you of like i gotta like do shit to like make survive. Sh- i gotta survive yeah of course i think that's in a way a gift yeah you know it keeps you hungry and it keeps you creating you and need it, desire yeah you know you're like yeah i think if if i agree with you and i think that's what changes you do need desire but if you change your motivation mm-hmm. to help, right? Your desire, of course, is to survive and to have abundance, so you can give it away or help other people right. you love. And yeah. but it's to help and not just like I want, I want, I want, I want. Because right. that's that's when there's just a hole. Mm-hmm. I've, you know what I mean. I think, yeah, and I've, like, I've know a lot of successful people who seem really happy, and they're the ones that are so quick to be generous, yeah, and to help all the people around them, you know, and to yeah. not um, close down around their wealth, right, and think that they're better than everyone else, which is what right. I think. How it's sad to watch, you know, people with wealth do that because mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities to help. Yeah. Even if it's not with their money, but just to have that uh, countenance of someone who wants to help. Yeah. And something about wealth, I think, sometimes makes 
this like elitist thing happen, like better than and not help and or <sighs> uh, alms for the poor kind of help only. Mm -hmm. But everyone else should work their ass off and pull themselves up by the bootstraps, mm -hmm. which is like, of course, but there's also no, no way all of us are going to be as wealthy as you. It doesn't matter how hard we work. Right. That, that, that disconnect, you know, that I think people will, like I did this all myself and I'm a billionaire now. Mm -hmm. right. Well, cool, then you have a lot of money to help other people. Yeah. Like, you know, that doesn't mean right. like, you. so everyone's gonna be a billionaire if they're as good, cool as you? I just right. find that hard, that little disconnect. I, I, I'm trying to work with that with my practice to not kind of be upset that people aren't more generous who have so much they'll never spend it. Right. Um, you know, with obvious people who need help. The fact that there are so many homeless people. Right. Like, with, I, I'm not saying, like, they have to hand it out. Although I do firmly believe in in the idea of patrons of the arts coming back. I think it's time. That would be nice. I think it's time to go back to the days where artists can actually make their art. They can vet who they consider good. We're not just saying hand out to any artist who says I'm making something. Mm, yeah. They choose, but like I, I wish that there was more of that. And I think Patreon is an interesting format for but uh, but i think it'd be nice to get like a, groups of billionaires mm -hmm. together and be like here's yeah. 500 artists yeah. pick your favorite and make sure they don't work for the next two years let them make their project yeah because waiting tables and making a record does make it take longer it does i think somebody <laughs> should just give you and me each a million dollars yeah <laughs> you know how fast we would spend that though that would just where, be where gone all that? i mean yeah give hooter a million too yeah, I, yeah. Million give kirk okay. a million too Come i mean on, here's all the of thing us. <laughs> so we need four million yeah. basically is what we're asking for on this yeah. on this on this podcast on this if you're podcast, a billionaire let's manifest it small yeah ass. let's small do ass. it Thank you for giving us four million dollars. It already has happened. We promised to do really so great work right with now. it. Yeah, me too. Oh, man, it's so nice to be relieved of any financial concern. Wow. Whoo! That takes that takes a load <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. So, like you were talking about your spiritual practice and meditation, is this like a specific form or? Um, yeah, I try not to talk about it too much. We don't have I like to. to. Yeah, keep it. Yeah, keep, keep it, it very sacred. It's I very sacred to me. I kind of that, actually. Yeah. I don't know why I went in Because you sense that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, like I said, I think the, the crux of it is uh, motivation. What's your motivation? What's your motivation? Um, working on having more pure motivation, not for me, but for we. Not mm -hmm. me, but we. I like that. And, um, yeah, quieting, quiet, but a contemplative contemplative depending on how you pronounce it mm -hmm. meditation so you're thinking through thinking through your day and dissecting how you could have done it better yeah there's some of that involved and some of its mantra i do um, a lot of the mantra stuff yeah. in my yoga practice i'm, I'm more out outlandish with it i tell everybody on the podcast i probably told you on your pod maybe i maybe a little i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you yeah, i love that you have a song that uh -huh. right Isn't that yeah that? I, I do yeah Ho i Pono saw you Pono. at a troubadour was that no um roxy roxy, roxy. yeah yeah thanks for that coming was great yeah it was ah cool. man i feel like i blew that show but i just had some a weird gig that night but 
No, and you you're a one man band with the you got the mm -hmm, looper. The and did you use the same pedal board that Kirk has? Kind of for no, that? No, uh, no, I, it was I something have else. that one. Yeah. You had like a few different things going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That mm. was cool. I like how you did that song. What was it? I love you. Sorry, thank Please you. Forgive Please me, forgive me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Ho, um, pono, pono. And then the crowd wasn't like joining in, so you're like, yeah, we'll just try that later. Yeah, that's <laughs> you just stopped yeah. mid. You're like, yeah, you guys aren't feeling it. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I like that though. Yeah. That's authentic, and I think vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I I like when performers are honest. Yeah. I honestly like uh, can't. I don't stay long past, I usually don't make it past three songs with anyone if they're, if if there's nothing surprising about it. Right. Or moving mm -hmm. and, and, and either like, of course, ability, like actually being good at what you do is important. Yeah. But that's not even as important as like a truth when someone's like being is like, I'm being who I am. Yeah. I'm engaged with that. I, I I would say I was that then at that show at least that like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't going as gangbusters as I wanted it to, but I definitely I lean on. I mean, as a solo performer, you almost I feel like you have to. There's no the vulnerability sort of innate in it. It's mm -hmm. like you're up there alone. It's like you know, there's just a, an innate vulnerability to it. So you have to kind of lean into that. You learn about the power of that vulnerability. Yeah, because you can't true. like you know you can't really destroy them with volume, you know. That's what just what you just said was exactly what Keith Morris, uh, to go back to him, said that when he was an A and R guy, he used to go if they didn't capture him in the first three songs, he would leave. Yeah, if they didn't engage with him or or something would happen. You want some? I want some kind of surprise. Like, uh, I'm sorry. I guess it's more like the uncomfortableness of like the. Ch something surprising about the performance like mm. and th and you brought that that night exactly for those reasons because yeah. you like were very true with the crowd and well, I, was I like, like being I, awkward i yeah, i love the energy of awkwardness me too. i really love that i, I know mean, this is like i think it's really sometimes great. i lean on that little too much but right. i think it's I it's, it's fun there's yeah. something fun about that to me it's playful yeah. Which is which to me is a surprise as opposed to like just trying to play it cool. Yeah. But but being kind of like one note all the yeah. way through, you know. So it, it. I I I would much rather see a punk band that's shocking somehow um, than a perfectly, everybody played everything perfect, but they're just like gliding oh, yeah. through, and it's kind of just like okay, I get it. If yeah. you can get it after three songs and want to leave, that means nothing about it makes you wonder what the fourth is like. Right. That's all I want. I just want to always want to stay. Yeah, and if there's an uncomfortable exchange going on between like the performer and a heckler, that's the most entertaining shit. <laughs> Be and careful. Actually, You're about to go on tour. That's Watch the true. hecklers come out. <laughs> Watch the manifestation. Yeah. But um, there was like, I was listening to you, I think it was on your own podcast with your brother Joaquin talking about how presenting the idea of this record was like, was kind of uncomfortable to, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cause I wanted my family to be okay to support with it. it. Yeah. So that was difficult to even talk Bro about. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a really, honestly, I think it was a very healing thing for my family in right. the long run. Yeah. At first it was really uncomfortable. And I think they, 
we're uncomfortable with it to some extent, but very supportive because we're very supportive as a rule, even if something. And then I think through the process of actually doing it, putting it out, and everyone having their own mind and heart to think and feel about Mm -hmm. what it meant, not just for me, but for them and for River. And it it really became a, a very healing, cathartic, Thing, not just for me but my family mm-hmm. and I hope other people too so that was something that I didn't expect and feel extra um, grateful for that it was something you know that it wasn't just oh I'm gonna do this and maybe it'll like it actually had a profound effect on myself and my family it seemed as well a healing effect Yeah, um, that wasn't wasn't why I was doing it, but what a beautiful outcome, you know, unexpected and beautiful outcome. Yeah, I love the idea that we can, through our own healing, heal our families and heal generations to come and generations behind us. Yeah, that's really profound. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand that, but I've, I've heard that and I believe in it and it sounds like that's something that you maybe facilitated for your family with this by total accident but right. very grateful for the outcome flow in the flow in the in river the flo- flow in, yes in the flow state. i think in so many ways river did that which right you know i just said you know i you need to say his name out loud gave him a portal yeah. yes and that's really what yeah. i did it felt like i kind of just opened so he could and i've talked about that in interviews before i think a lot of uh when a traumatic event happens, you shut down the good with the, you yeah. have, you hide the, All of you know, it. there was so much gnarliness with the press and right. it was uncomfortable. So, I was so young and it was terrible. And the celebrity so factor that, too. Yes. That's also. So that just, I pulled everything in, mm. including him and put it somewhere that wasn't right. visible so I could protect it. But with that, all those positive memories and who he was as right. a person got stuffed in that spot where all the, upset got stuck right it becomes hard to celebrate him yes it was kind of like nobody's it was my protecting him yeah don't talk about it don't talk about it right yeah and the celebrity aspect confuses it it that was so confusing that makes it way more confusing and it made it really hard to talk about it because that still shows up you're like oh yeah. You know, it's not like I can yeah. just talk about some uh, my brother that no one knows, that no one and I knows. made it. Right, it like right. became this whole. It's a thing, and then you feel weird about that, mm-hmm. and then and so it was extra difficult and awkward, I would say, initially to even, you know, and painful to bring it to let it all out, but yet at the same time, so new the minute I did it that it was what had to happen. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I do believe in energy unlocks. Yeah. And I, you know, I lost a few friends, a couple friends uh, just prior to that, that just I needed to lose, I think, in my life. Okay. That showed themselves to me. Right. Right before I came to this. Conclusion. Right before I started making this record and then realized I needed to call it River. And in so many ways, I'm grateful to those f- friends I lost because they were part of the energy unlock. That's heavy. Right? Yeah. And it was like, wow, that's that's what I mean by looking at things that are bad, like you see as bad and they lead to something good. And right. that's the spiritual practice is like thanking them. Was the falling yeah. out with those 
individuals due to the fact that you were working on this project? Did it have any relationship or was it just separate? I don't think it had, no, it didn't uh, on paper on at paper, all. On paper, nothing. But strangely happening within the same arc, like the year, arc, you know, the, the lead up. Mm -hmm. It was like starting in October of last of the 25th anniversary of 2018 yeah. through to this year's like, it all kind of started right around then, but it didn't have anything to do with it. But it was so importantly part of it because I wouldn't have had the energy, to, like the unlock wouldn't have happened without mm. those fallouts. Because it released new levels of energy within yourself that you were no longer getting like toxically taxed from these. Exactly. And I think I, I let go of parts of myself that engaged in and was codependent with mm. certain relations that felt I had to fix other people, you know, right. whatever those things. The empath I, thing. Yeah. I mean, I take responsibility. You I, have to. I have to. I'm, That's all I'm, I can do. I'm way into that <laughs> yeah. within myself now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, dealing with a lot of that kind of stuff too. And as somebody who's healing those kind of things, like understanding that it is my responsibility, you know, I mean, ultimately yeah. it's like we're, we have to take care of our own sides of the street exactly. and including, including like if dealing with like, you know, it, you know, MPD stuff or, you know, other, you know, interspecies, you know, interspecies predators or whatever like yeah. that's a weird way to put it but <laughs> like it, it, it is it is actually a factor you know but like you have to get yourself whole enough yep to where you can observe and not absorb so to speak and you can separate yourself from another person's bullshit yeah you know it's hard because it's you, hard you yeah. go i mean there's moments where um you know, I think it's the ego side that I get caught up in the fact that someone actually did you harm. Right. Caused a, like really harmful and, and things. And won't and acknowledge it. Yeah, absolutely won't. Pride we, like yeah. up the wazoo. We'll act like you wronged them and tell all their friends that. That's and called whatever. blame shifting. Yeah. <laughs> There's but, terminology for it all. But <clears throat> that's not my side of the street. That's not my side of the street. I got involved in that. I believed in the you know that in that person, and I still do. I ultimately believe, even yeah. in the fallout I've had, I I'm not friends, and I'm not going to do like take the energy it takes to yeah. try to maintain that. But I'm aware that I was part of that. That's that mandala with right. them. I I let that into my life, right? And I believed it, and and um, and by releasing it. I was able to move on and really find who, my voice as a solo artist and yeah. also just... Boy, did you ever. I mean, I'm Aww. serious. It's a... <laughs> yo, it's the best record I've heard in a while. It's really good. That's so rad that you feel that way. I do feel that way. It's going to make me cry thinking about it. Oh, but you are tearing up. <laughs> I am, man. I'm trying Aww. not to because I'm a man, damn it. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> like, no, but I was like, you know, I came to the conclusion with my own issues with my family of origin, which who I've been estranged from for the most part for years, a couple few years now, recently going like to try to make contact again under the, it's you know, with, yeah, with the, with the idea that, okay, I don't need them to validate my perspective. Right. And I don't need to validate their perspective right. either. But I had to get healthy enough to get to that place. And that took years. Right. 
I, it took yeah. till now, you know, where now I'm like, okay, you know what? We're never going to see eye to eye on this right? ever. And I can then take that into like either we're cool with still saying what's up to each other and it being what it is because I still love them, you know, and I know they still love me, I, you know, so it's like, can we bridge those gaps, you know, and I, I'm going to experiment with it, you know, um, but I, I don't really know the uh, final answer to that. But I, I did come to the awareness. It's like, I don't, you know what what another person's perception of events is is kind of none of my business they don't have to align right and you can still maybe coexist on a level and maybe it won't be this idealistic level that you want it to be where we all agree upon everything mm -hmm. <laughs> you know but maybe that's okay yeah you know i don't know yeah i do uh i totally know what you mean and it's courageous but i also think it's part of um <clears throat> spiritual maturity right and taking responsibility because i will <clears throat> say with family of origin stuff um my dad passed away in 2015 sorry yeah uh, such a cool dude uh but he moved to costa rica mm. and just wasn't like in my life as much in, in the last you know like 15 years of it I would go visit every year of course and loved him dearly but when he got sick I cared for him and I knew that um it was Kirk who you know he, the producer of the record and collaborated with me who he'd fought my dad had fallen and hurt himself and mm. he was like you got to go down right away and be with him even though it was like in the middle of work thing and wow. and, and uh and I'm so grateful to that because, you know, you, you, it's, if you don't spend time with your family of origin, like, even though I would mm. see him every year, it wasn't like we logged the same amount, you know, and I love that dude so much. Right. But when he got sick and we spent all this time together, it was like that flood of like, right, we might not have agreed on everything all the time. You may have like expatted out checked out and been like i'm out I'm see out. ya <laughs> figure it out come visit me and that's a lot of responsibility when you're trying to survive in your neck of the woods right. to be like you have to do the travel or right. you have to you know what i mean <laughs> right so there were you know certain things that i was like me and i just dropped all that <laughs> right brought him back to my world and and got three epic months with him before he passed away amazing he even got to see my show um with my band at the time, Venus and the Moon, at the Greek side of stage, dedicated a song to him, and he didn't wow. wake up the next morning. Oh my God. It was God. like that. It was like the most wow. beautiful, heartbreaking. <sighs> but like that, what I realized through that process was how important it is, even when you don't always agree, or people make choices that take you out of their life, even if, and you can right. just go that route and go, well, you checked out, so I'm not going to see you or I'm right. And how important, how grateful I was to Kirk at that time for being really like, dude, it's your dad, go down and be with him. Yeah. He's sick or whatever. And that, that opened my heart so much to him. Yeah. And he was so much more back in my life and how important that was to me. And of course how I miss him now every day that I didn't get like, why didn't I spend 
year with him you know yeah, like but don't you, do, don't, i know yeah. but what's amazing about that and the reason i brought it up is off what you were saying you know being estranged and that you're making an effort now it's like it's always worth making the effort and you don't have to agree you can they never have to say yeah. they did anything to hurt you right and you still love the shit out of them because they're gonna go Can't and you're gonna it. regret Can't it and it's an it. archetypal pain parental Ex loss Bro, I, I never knew it till it happened, man. Yeah. I've, you know, my brother was hard enough that my dad was like, oh, right. There was something so different. It was archetypal. It's like your DNA just died, mm. you know? Yeah. There was this real finite feeling, even though, you know, I don't think anything is all that final. Uh, it I depends on what you believe. But, I, I agree with you on that. Um, but I definitely. It was a different uh, uh, kind of pain, and I think being so close archetypal, to him, I like yeah, that. archetypals, really how I've thought of it. As. Yeah, and uh, and I knew when I was caring for him, and we were growing closer and closer. I knew that if he passed, which he was inevitably probably going to anyway, mm -hmm. maybe not as quickly as he did, which was shocking and therefore more painful, but that it would be more painful because we were so close and I mm. purposely uh. like my compassion was so wide open that I took that on knowing I was like yes this at least I get to know his heart and be close to him and be and so the pain's that much greater but it's also so much more beautiful oh yeah and you feel like you're there for them whenever the realm they go to next they know to come to you right I prayed for him every day after you know and knew that he could like be there with me if he was scared wherever he was. You know, mm. there's like such this like, when you take responsibility, even if you don't agree with people, and you you have a practice of any kind that reminds you that you're you're in charge of how it goes. Mm -hmm. Always, whatever the thing's going on, you have the opportunity to do something meaningful. You're fully empowered. Yeah, that's the power of forgiveness. Very true. You know, like and that's the ho'oponopono ideology is that you're responsible for everything in your field of consciousness. And I think what's led to where I came, finally came to, just that click of like, oh, I don't, we don't have to agree on each other's perspective. That click, like, I think came from meditating on Ho'oponopono for like a year. <laughs> it took like, it was like, you know, things like that are so simple like that. Still, though, like they're in, it's an impossible reach until you, I don't know, do get there. Get there. Yeah. <laughs> and then once you're there, you're like, that wasn't so hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's interesting. I find it pretty marvelous, too. I mean, we can get a little woo woo for a second. I'm all into woo woo. That <laughs> exactly like what you were saying that when you spend time on a certain practice and it seems impenetrable, the, the, your anger or your mm -hmm. sadness or whatever. And then you get there. Yeah. That that's possible through a practice that's just repeated and repeated. And it might seem meaningless yeah. to me in any other context except for some reason I've decided to do it. Right. Right? Yeah. But it's just like, okay, I'll do this for a month straight. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's doing anything, whatever. And then a month later, something gets broken through and you're different. Yeah. That that's possible to me does... I do lean on ancient teachings more than I ever would have thought or believed because I've seen it work. It's worked for me and it does happen. There are these like stages where you break through. Right. And I think forgiveness is a really important point. I think sometimes though you need two 
people willing to engage in an act of forgiveness, someone who can receive it or you can receive it from, you know, who asks for it. Someone has to ask for it. Do they? Someone has to allow. Because like, I, I don't you know. I feel forgive, like I'm getting to the place of forgiving with, and no one's going to ask for it. You know? Well, yes, of course. No, I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? I agree, but I mean, for it to actually penetrate both relate both sides of that coin. Right. Well, that's also, you got to right. let go. Like on that level, it's a letting go of an right. ideal. Right. It's like we may never be as close for that reason. Right. Or on some level, maybe we'll be closer because the, in, on a certain level, the gloves are off. It's like, right. it's, you know, the dysfunction is on, is on fleek. Yeah. You know, dysfunction on fleek. That's, that's a that's, great expression. That's the name of my new album. I love that. <laughs> You're totally one with the kids right now. But um, it, with, when, after your dad passed, is there, was there, what was the... Was there kind of a spiritual connection you felt emboldened, and did you, and did you have uh, new levels of understanding about your relationship with him? Did it carry on? What was it like then? Well, I think when <clears throat> I mean I know you've had people close to you pass away. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the truth. I had a teacher, a spiritual teacher, say it to me after. Because I saw her, I went on retreat, a silent retreat, pretty much right after he passed. Mm, for how long? <clears throat> I think about 10 days. Okay, like a Vipassana <clears throat> thing? Is it? Kind of, kind yeah. Of. Okay. Um, but uh, I remember her just saying to me, ah, oh, this is who you really are. You see this, who, this, your tenderness and just wide open heartbroken like mm. when you're broken open when your heart's broken it's it's like a floodgate right, right. And so everything like what the fuck is a phone what is instagram like i right. didn't touch like social media for yeah, like exactly four months right didn't even want to look at my phone i'm on my phone all the time yeah whether well, it's social media yeah i'm importing a, a record now yeah. But in you're, general, you're honoring like, a record, it's a better way to put thank it. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. Well, it's true too. But I do agree that that is the like very much like how I was talking about now how when I perform, it's a a gathering a, a gathering of energy based off just the truth of my vulnerability stepping on stage <laughs> and this record. It's a great way to put and it. And that's what happens after death is it's just the truth of your vulnerability is just all out and there is no like anything you're not surviving you're not you're just it's you're leveled right and that's so true like so yes did my relationship deepen yes to 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 life and death to the to the veil like the thinness of the veil between right. the worlds and to understanding that it's so we have created all these seemingly solid constructs that make us feel safe in a world that is so unsafe and our hearts are really actually broken all the time. Right. And we're just putting the calluses on and sewing it up and trying to march through the day and make money and be somebody and all that stuff. And I, and when death happens, like all that gets leveled and you see through and you can literally poke the veil and it shimmers and moves. And that wow. is true, right? So I sometimes without saying 
it's not to say I wish someone close to me could die every day, <laughs> but I wish that that veil could stay that thin because that was the truth. Like when she said that, I knew exactly what she meant. Someone could have been insulted by what she said, which was like, this is how you really are. This is, this is your truth. This is, I wish you could be, she said, I wish you could be like this all the time. And I was broken, you know what I mean? Like I came so heartbroken right. and grieving, but I knew I saw that as a strength. I saw what she saw in me as a the strength. Total vulnerability yeah. in, in a way to like life, I guess, and death and pain and yeah. everything. My mom was, my mom said that to a friend. When my brother passed, like we're all so heartbroken, she said, and she said, yes, but when your heart is broken, it's broken open. That's what my mom said. Wow. Who was devastated, but still saw through and could say it and articulate it like that. Yeah. So I know what she meant. I feel like with my dad, I was an adult. I wasn't, you know, a child like yeah. with my brother. And I had, I could understand it in, in, in a heart way. I could, f in a heart space way. I couldn't under, you know, you never, what's great about it is your mind is the idiot. Mm -hmm. and your heart is the, is the it's wisdom. the master, yeah. Like that's it occurs to me like yeah because it's like to be a human is to be like an animal and then also this spiritual being right so right. it's like and a lot of times we're i think more animalistic in a way or our egos are like the survival of this and well you said this and i said this right. and i mean you know yeah but like yeah when that kind of when death occurs and it is it is just your wide open spirit at that point because yeah, that I guess you just would go into that. It makes sense, you know. Yeah, and it's turning, you know, impermanence is the actual only truth. Everything mm, right. dies, passes, changes constantly. You can yeah. you could sit, we could do a meditation right now and try the rate of change and try to see if if there's anything in your life or anywhere that doesn't change. It all changes. It all changes. There's really no way to do that to to hold anything. So I think death is such a an aff affirmation of the impermanence of life and our whole human existence is to try and pretend that it's not impermanent. Right. That we're not gonna die. So you've just yeah. flipped the whole thing on its head and that's why when somebody dies, your heart wins. Like the truth, which is wisdom, is your yeah. heart. Yeah. Your brain goes, what? Upside down. Yeah. Right? Your You're in like, the upside down. I can't down. do anything with this. Yeah, your brain's it's not like, working with my permanent this thing. isn't, like, <laughs> exactly. yeah, that's wild. That's so interesting. It's like seeing the matrix all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. The emotional matrix. Yeah. I mean, also like like the idea of past and present and future and it's just like one eternal now. Everything is now. Yeah. It's always just now. That yeah. trips me out when I think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So are you um enjoying interviewing people on your podcast I, I really liked being on it i'm so glad yeah, you and your were a sister's great awesome too i know we yeah. loved having you on the show and i i love launch left it's an opportunity something i'm really comfortable with and very passionate about is helping yeah. other artists right because you know yeah the whole idea is to help other that's artists. that's the whole podcast yeah. yeah and to have well-known artists launch emerging yeah. so that you you know it's hard to skim the top as it were or find good there's so much music which is wonderful for all the musicians out there that want to make a record that you can put it out right you can yeah. get it on itunes and spotify and right. but then there's twice as much and there's not a curation element 
Right. So I like I like the idea of wh- who's Joseph Arthur listening to is what I want right. to right or yeah um, who's Connor Obers listening to or it'll just help me because I don't have a lot of time to listen to everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's a way that originally came about is like how would I like to find new music? Yeah. Oh, from people I think have good taste. Yeah. You know, but that was like the basic idea. Yeah. In, a, in a wider aspirational sense, Launch Left is an extension of who I am as a person, and that is like, how do we create a intentional space for artists to talk about things that matter and to share what is in their art? In their art, like mm-hmm. what's the heart in their art, and how do they use it to change culture? Like for me, it's always about a, a culture-changing element that I'm curious about when I talk to artists. So, mm. you know, I'll spend a little time on the obvious concepts of the show right i'm like you yeah. I'm like so let's talk about the spirit know, animal yeah, you. Exactly. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. See, and summer will kind of keep yeah. it real or, or pull it back into so that's why i love having her as a co-host yeah, she'll like ask you. we have a good like back and forth yeah like she'll yeah. ask totally different questions that i wouldn't more about people's actual work and and that i need that because i'll go esoteric on everything mm-hmm. and you know i want to know like why yeah, that's yeah. why I have Ehud. He bring <laughs> he brings it back it's as good well. To have a yeah, the it anchor. Back. Yeah. When did you guys decide to do it together? Like how how did that how did it I unfold? I kind of strong armed her. Oh, you did. She yeah. didn't, she won. Well, that into she's it? you know mother of two mm-hmm. and working on other projects that and she's a gifted artist in so many different ways. I don't think uh, podcasting was was part of her trajectory yeah or she didn't feel that and i was like can you just please host this with me for a little bit maybe (laughs) yeah and and i think through the process she's actually really grown to enjoy and gotten a lot out of the conversations yeah because there's something about as you know because you're doing it too talking to other artists you know otherwise a lot of times we can stay in our head and we can make stories up for everyone else and right their record and why they did it and not not know and it's really nice to actually find out yeah what people are feeling and thinking and it's always more tender than we the stories we make up right like people are really more tender and why they do things is really more meaningful than what we make up for yeah them. than the two-dimensional thing we've carved out for them exactly yeah that's what i love about it too is that it it forces me to go into other people's universes you know that i I wouldn't normally you know because when you're wrapped up in your own thing it's like hard to like you know go into other people's universes to the degree that you need to to do a podcast yeah it's true i enjoy that part of it excavating other artists yeah Um, yeah so i i dig it it's been fun yeah uh, and do you guys travel with it or just la based we'd like to i'd love to come here and spend like a month do like a residency here yeah Yeah. it'd be great um i know of a good podcast studio in the east village if you guys need oh great yeah yeah there's a few artists here that are pretty new york based that we definitely want to get and so i think eventually it's again like you said having sponsorship and a we don't have the cash flow just to fly and stay in new york without some help right so but uh it could happen and you know launch left is also the label that put out river i noticed that so and it's going to be a label to put out other artists as well i was kind of like the guinea pig because i can make all the kind of relationships to help you know like vinyl production all the pr and Mm. stuff and that was i thought like well I'll, i'll guinea pig with time gone which was that first thing we put out with 
Alakazatic on it. We collabed with uh, another label, Crow Records, and then on this is just Launch Left putting out River. And there's a few artists I really, really want to put out in 2020. Um, again, it's always financial support that makes it possible. So I'm trying to figure out who's going to be a patron of the arts. We're going to each get a million dollars. Oh, that's after right. This. We discussed we already, it. We're good. We've already. We're good. Okay. Yeah, good. We're Four million deep. coming yeah. in. Four million coming in. <laughs> What do you think, Ehud? You got any questions? I was just curious. Obviously, like I told you, reading your bio, and you had uh, the band when you lived in. Uh, did you live in New York when? Uh, yeah, the Paper Cranes. Paper Cranes. I did. Was out? Paper Cranes was New York, Gainesville, Florida, and Los Angeles. We were all. We, I had it for about a decade. So, uh-huh. so yeah, it was all over. But New York, we were here for a good solid five to seven years. And I think. why did you leave New York? Um, I went to Los Angeles and I just felt like something was going on there. This was in 20, 2009 into 2010. It just was turning 2010. And then I got signed by Manimal Vinyl Records there, which is an indie label for a new record I had been making out in Los Angeles. Like I started making a record there. I was like, something's going on there. And it was Paper Cranes. No, when we put out that record, it was called uh, Let's Make Babies in the Woods. And then I made another record out there, and right when we got it ready to, like we manufactured and everything, I it was when I kind of had what I would call spiritual awakening and just dropped everything. I was like, ah, I'm not going to do this anymore. I kind of thought I wasn't going to do music, even though I knew that didn't mean forever. I was just kind of over it. Um, and so that record was called three and it still came out technically, but I didn't promote it and I didn't play. And that was in like 2012 or something. Okay. That wasn't my question. Okay. (laughs) I was just curious. The one thing that stuck out from your past was in, uh, after your brother had passed, um, you, uh, the REM connection, hmm. like you went on and and oh, yeah, you were played a monster. with REM. I just realized um, that. Yeah. And then with the Chili Peppers as well. Is yeah. there anything from like did that like open like what was that experience like for That's you? That's a great question because actually both those gentlemen, Michael Stipe and all of REM, really um, were close with my brother. And Flea was like a brother to me and very close with my brother. And um, Flea asked me. I think it was in in 94 right after my brother died in the end of 93 and in 94 he asked me to come on tour as a backup singer so i was just i'm in grieving process and then this was like really my like you know he basically set up my future because i had only ever made music with river Mm -hmm. i was like a singer in his band and and he and i played since i was three and he was five he was my musical collaborator partner partner. so that was devastating in a way I didn't even process yet that I'd lost like who I was as a musician Mm -hmm. as well and so with the peppers coming on the road as my own individual and singing backup in front of just crazy amounts of people festivals touring the world it was like about a two almost a two-year run with them it was for the Dave Navarro record one hot minute I didn't Um, know that yeah and my friend Acacia came on the road through um, most of it with me, which was really great too. And she was close with River. So it was a very therapeutic tour, but it was also like a coming of age. I turned 21 on the tour mm. and it was a coming into my own as a performer. I got a lot of confidence through that. And that's what's 
that's what spawned Paper Cranes. I went into the studio to mix Alaka's Attic to kind of work through some of that grief through music, and I mixed that record. And through the process, I started with the engineer that I was working with on that, making my own music that would become Paper Cranes' first Who is EP. That? His name is Michael Perfit. He worked at the time a lot with Seal. He was like his main guy. Okay. And he worked with um, a producer that worked with Seal. I forget his name. He's a big guy. I can't remember it right now. But he went on to, he does scores TV now and does stuff like that. Really sweet guy. Great engineer. And he and I and my husband at the time, Michael Tubbs, or we weren't married yet, but we were paper cranes and it was like an, uh, we called it renatronica because we used renaissance instruments and electronic and that was sort of like the genre and that was the first paper cranes ep so chili peppers really led to my own voice i would say so i credit them for really helping me have the confidence to know i could do music without river mm. which still took till now to like naming mm. this record river right. to actually do that that's interesting like i honestly feel that everything every band from paper cranes till now was an attempt yeah. at finding my own voice. But until I said river out loud and said, this is for him, I've really came home to. It comes uh, off like that. I mean, like it's powerful in that of an artist finding their voice. Like, you know what I mean? Well, that's cool. Yeah. Cause it really, it felt that, I mean, I don't know if it, it read, but it's all that matters is for me that it was that. It right. And so, that's what I realized was like, whoa, this this was the first time. And, you know, I just turned 47 and I'm so glad wow. I found it in my lifetime. Like a spring chicken. Right. Just yeah. a baby. Just a baby. <laughs> baby in the I'm woods. I'm 48. I got All you right. by a year. Nice. You're yeah. young. You yeah. look great. We're young at heart. All that yoga. All that yoga. <laughs> drinking some water. <laughs> <laughs> I also think probably if you were like. You know, a drug addict at any point, it preserves you. That's right. That, right. that probably helped me. Yeah, along it helps. The way. You yeah. Know? It's like you lose a decade of your life and you just stay that yeah. age. Don't try that at home. Kids, yeah. Oh, that yeah. wasn't meant to advocate for drug use. <laughs> yeah. God, that wasn't a good idea. Let's cut that out. <laughs> nah, it'll be what did right. Michael think about you naming the album River since he was really close with him as well? Intra I mean, I didn't ask his, opinion. you know, right. opinion. I think did he, he but he did time, you know, he did that song Time is the Killer and it was connected to Alakazatic and, and wildly there's always been rumors that Michael Stipe bought the Alakazatic catalog as if it was a catalog you could buy and mm. like the family didn't just own oh, really? it. It's like my brother who wrote made the that song. rumor up i don't know but it's literally printed multiple times that's you can weird, find it that's a weird one and it's funny michael and i always kind of like so interesting okay we'll leave it like yeah. well, what are you gonna do try to like go that's not true and make yeah. it it's like whatever so he, he's so interrelated to alagazatic just through this like rumor even mm -hmm. not to mention his closeness to river so i think for him of course it, that song you know even when I wrote that song, it wasn't really for River, but that lyric, everybody's crying for those who go before their time. Of course, mm -hmm. I thought of him, you know, when of I course. wrote it or after it came out, I was like, oh, that makes sense, you know? Like, yeah. But it is for all the, you know, matinee idols, as Rufus's song goes, yeah. um, which he wrote for River, he told me years later. Oh, and really? I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Michael and Flea are like brothers to me and they both really were a big part of, uh, they took care of me like brothers after River died. That's Musically, they, they gave me opportunities to create and have a, a career 
yeah. in many ways. You know, they both were incredibly popular musical artists. So for them to have me sing on their record or go on their tour mm -hmm. gave me a profile that, interestingly enough, still actress somehow first, even though that's not really Is all that I Is that really I true? I think a lot of times people go actress, musician. And it's like, when's the last time you saw me in a movie? I've been doing music <laughs> yeah. for 12 years straight yeah. in the public eye. But, you know. Yeah. Again, I'm not going out to discredit any of that. It is what it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm grateful to them both. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, very much. Yeah, cool. I just re caught wind that you sang on Monster because all the Monster re-release stuff. Yeah, they're out. doing, what is it, the 25th? I guess 25th yeah, anniversary. They yeah, they did that. I think it was dedicated to River, that record. Oh, we, that's right. That was another thing. I'd come back from, like, Costa Rica after he passed and met Michael in Miami. We all were like spent time with him during Monster. That's when I sang on the song. Oh, okay. In so Miami. Was, yeah, they were, were tracking in Miami. That's interesting. Right on the beach with this beautiful in space. Miami. You don't like it doesn't I seem know. very REM, Miami. I know, but just pretend <laughs> pretend pretend Miami was the Bahamas, then you would have been like, Oh yeah. It's kind of was like that. It was, it was like, like that, a where they were. Posh Their version of Miami, studio was, in Miami was killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah it was really beautiful. Yeah. And it was like all our friends, mutual friends at New River were down. Like we had, we all got our first like tattoos together. You know, oh, it was really? like, What'd you we get? were babies. I was 21 or something. I think we all got, it's it's under here. Just like I got my first like, tattoo, which was just like an angel bird kind of thing that Lou Kregel, who's an artist that Michael knew and I knew and River knew, she designed for me. Oh, that's and cool. And then they put it on me. That's awesome. It's a little tiny thing that's all worn out now and doesn't look like my. <laughs> I like them when they look worn out. That's, that's when they're good. <laughs> Did Michael get a matching one? No, but he got uh, a question mark on the palm oh, of his hand. Right. Yeah. That's when he got that. Which was maybe, you know, maybe his first, like, uh, his way to talk about being sexually ambiguous was R my, right. my take on it. But that's years later now oh. that gender fluidity is is in yeah at the time i was just like what do you mean yeah. no i am kidding i i really don't know <laughs> that's a painful place to get a tattoo i, I know. would suspect i would too yeah what songs did you sing on monster uh just on i think it was bang blame oh, okay cool. yeah i'm gonna have to re revisit that i think that's i think that was the only one yeah I wish that there was a recording of that show we all did together, the Bring Him Home Troop show. At, yeah. It was like somewhere, a big theater here. I really yeah, wish I there was remember. a, there's got to be a board tape of that. I'm Someone sure. must have captured it. There's, it was so yeah. cool. What a super group he brought together. Wasn't yeah. um, James Eha also I playing think so, guitar? Yeah. That was yeah. cool. He like curated the band. and. What was the venue? I can't remember. I want to say it, it, it was not Roseland because I don't think that was big enough because it was like big, but I don't think it was Radio City either. It wasn't was, Radio City. I think it might have been Roseland. Really? I don't know. It Michael some, might remember. Uh, something Ballroom. Oh, Hammerstein. Yes. Okay. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. How long are you going to be in New York for? I leave in a few days. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm then, so glad this worked out. Yeah, me too. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Thank I know you, you for go, inviting like, me. What, uh, are you what, doing mantra right now? Oh, I'm not. Just not really. It. I'm just like right. you know. I like that those are skull kind. Yeah, of. they're all yeah. It's like yak bone. They're, each one's individually carved. I've had wow. this forever. It's like, beautiful. There's, there's pictures of me as a kid with this same thing. Wow. Yeah, but so uh, what's what's next? Are you? Are you guys on, on tour, tour right yeah. now? Or like, well, yeah, tell this the folks the, where to see you and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, well, how soon do you put these up? Because it might be gone soon. This will be like soonish, right? Like this. When, when's this coming up? Uh, in like 
we're also stacking uh, in three weeks. Oh, oh. three weeks. Take. Tour uh, will be but, over. But, oh. No, no, but I could push it. I could move it ahead. We can like, move it when, ahead. When we start next week. Um, I'll, I'll, the I'll, I'll slide it in earlier. I'm sorry, the 10th sure. in Seattle. Yeah, we could just make the. We could I could actually you release it on Friday, next Friday. If you want. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing a Seattle on the tenth, and then we're with Pete Yorn for four days in California. Oh, cool. Starting He's in a LA. Nice guy, right? He's such a sweet shout guy. Out yeah. Shout out Pete we Yorn. Tried to shout get out him on Pete the, Yorn. On the podcast when he was here uh, last month, but it didn't work out. Yeah, what maybe happened? next time. I never heard I that. He's well, I tried to. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down with that. There's a lot you don't hear about. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> One man yeah. show. You can't also communicate yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's a really cool guy, and we're grateful to be on that show. It's yeah. gonna, and he's doing all theater, so it'll be a, it'll be cool venues to play. That's nice. And Kirk and I are doing the duo, so it's been fun to try yeah. it out. Shout out Kirk. Shout yeah, out Kirk Kelly. Watch him on the one-on-one session. Yeah. Hashtag Kirk Kelly on the one oh one and then w- <laughs> 101 so one-on-one where uh w- and then people can find you on instagram oh yeah and, we're like, on instagram at uh rain j phoenix there's a j in there joan of arc that's right it stands for joan of arc my middle name wild because my parents were not hippies by the way your <laughs> 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 your parents gave their kids the best names ever they I think. really thought about it i mean it they're really like, great yeah aren't they like, i agree yeah they're totally unique but yet they work as names like you know what yeah. i mean it's not like my name's like bark you know, or something uh, yeah something crazy it's <laughs> tree it's, arthur yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like b arthur have you thought of the joan of arc thing at all like what is what how does that factor into your reality uh, or, or yeah, does it? I mean, I hope I don't burn at the stake, but yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't yeah, mean no, I mean, uh, I'm not afraid I was born to do this factors right. in, which was something that I feel like she's basically yeah. championed. And that's kind of, you know, when I connected it to a spiritual practice, it was sort of that like, oh, wait, it's not about me. It's like, it's about everyone else. Like the intention, I set an intention and I, and I'm living my life for another reason than just like what I want in this short window. Yeah. So that feels like someone like her might do that. Right. She did. She gave up her life. Yeah. I, I do have a lot of respect for uh, activists and, and artists that, that are willing to get arrested, give up their lives. Mm. You know, Be all the people I most admire from Gandhi, MLK, Joan of Arc. Yeah. Jesus even. All of them willing to just give up their life to for their principles mm-hmm. and not cave, which is really hard to do as a human being. It's in difficult. a world that's constantly saying, "If you cave, I'll give you this." Right. You know, so I I think it's something that I really grateful that my family always had that conviction and stood by what we believed in, yeah. even when it meant we lost out on gigs and money. And it's like, well, but that's not our principles, so we're not doing it. And that's. I, I am grateful to have a family like that because I look to that for strength on the times when as an individual, someone's like, but look at this. <laughs> I'm like, wait, remember, you were raised right. Mm-hmm. No, just yeah. say no. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and they knew who you were right when you were born, I guess. Well, they gave you the, the name. Yeah. My mom said that and during childbirth, which was natural in a trailer in the rain, um, she suddenly started in labor reciting a monologue from Joan of Arc that her sisters who were drawn into drama and wanted to be actors 
had been learning at home when she was a kid and she didn't even realize she'd memorized it as a child. So she started speaking this Joan of Arc monologue that was like the big one right before she dies. Mm -hmm. Where she's like, I'm doing this for a reason or some big like epic. And I mean, imagine my dad being like, whoa, what the heck's going on over there? Just like she she was like orating while pushing me out. She drew that spirit into you or you drew that spirit out of her. Maybe. She also claimed she absolutely saw and spent time with Jesus while I was while she was pregnant with me. Wow. Like physically spoke and s- saw him and had this whole crazy thing that is not crazy to her. She's like, "No." And yeah. she's she's very level. She's not like all out there. I, yeah. So I totally believe it. I believe it too. So What did she say? What did he say to her? Well, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to remember if there were deep, if she's, you know, I, I have deets? a terrible memory, but I do know she spoke to Jesus. I'll okay. ask her and I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, please I'll call do. that one in. <laughs> call that. <laughs> That's good. You'll be on with someone else. I'll be like, Joe, I got the story. Hey, I got the story I what Jesus said. <laughs> we'll update our listeners. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks Thank for you. having Thank me. You, Thank you, Thanks Ray. for what a, having me. What a beautiful me. Uh, conversation. Yeah, such a fun yeah. time. I and hope we hang everyone, soon. go get her record. It's un- it's unbelievable. Streaming everywhere now. Your Thank river. you. Okay. See you on tour and go and see him on tour. Didn't you just announce a tour? Yeah, with Greg Dooley. Woo! Two and a half month tour coming up. Cats All right. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Yeah, thank That's you. so cool. Yeah. Afghan Wigs. Yeah, it's going to be great. Shout out Greg, which Shout has out a Greg solo Dooley. album coming yeah, out. Yeah, new right solo on. album coming. All right. Have All right, a great guys. day, guys. God bless. Bye. All right. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.